0: We're going to be studying the topic of why fellowship. If you would, turn to John's epistle, verse John. And if you begin with me in verse 1. We proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Father, we we acknowledge you this morning as the one who has spoken these words. We acknowledge our need for your Spirit's illuminating work this morning in every heart here. Lord, please allow your people, your church this morning, to understand your word, to receive your word, to be encouraged and refreshed by your word. Lord, help us to, where appropriate, be convicted. By your word. Lord, you are speaking and all of us, myself included, desire to have ears to hear. And eyes to see. And Lord, please help me to communicate your truth. So that this church may experience grace from you this morning. In Jesus name. Amen. Well, John is considered the author of this letter. By the time of this writing, he has become an old man. It was written in A.D. 85 to 90, almost 60 years since the time that he walked with Jesus. After 60 years in ministry, John literally has seen it all. Paul, Peter, and James have experienced martyrdom. The church has been persecuted. It has been scattered. He is most likely writing from Ephesus, where John spent many of his later years. And he is speaking to the churches, particularly in Asia Minor. Heresy has infiltrated the church that was denying the incarnation of Christ. And to combat this heresy, John sets the truth of the incarnation in this letter in its proper place. These were men, these were teachers, false teachers, who were writing about their denial of the incarnation. And they were drawing people away into fellowship with them. They were drawing people away from the church. And so it is John's defense of the incarnation that he places here at the opening of this letter as, our fo- as foundational to our life in Christ. That foundational to our belief of who Christ is, is the incarnation. The very thing that we will celebrate in just... A number of weeks. And it's foundational to our fellowship with Christ and it's foundational to our fellowship with one another. David Jackman in his commentary said this, it is this divine life which has been manifested in human history in a real man who really lived and really died and really rose again from the grave. In Jesus of Nazareth, John and his fellow apostles heard him speak They saw him with their own eyes, not a mystical vision, but a living reality. It was more than a momentary glimpse. Rather, it was a consistent daily revelation. They touched him physically, both before his death and after his resurrection, This was no spirit being disguised in temporary human suit of clothes. Neither was he a mere man on whom the Christ descended for a period of time. He who was from the beginning and whom John heard and saw and physically touched was the word of life. That's who John is saying. is at the heart of our life in Christ. It's at the heart of... Of our fellowship with God. It's at the heart of our fellowship with one another. Christ has manifested himself to us. And in that manifestation, we've been privileged to be in fellowship with Him and then in fellowship with one another. In verse 1 and 2, John proclaims that this is the basis of our life in Christ that which was from the beginning, words that we have heard before which we have heard and we have seen with our eyes, that which was from the beginning. We remember Genesis 1, where from the beginning, before there was any creation, Jesus was there. And then in John 1, if you remember, in the beginning was the Word, where Jesus was part of creating. As the Godhead, He was creating the world. And now, John says, he is, he is with us. That is what He is after. He is the Word of life. He is the Word made flesh and who has dwelt among us. The Word of life didn't come into existence in Bethlehem. He already existed. And the idea, brothers and sisters, of fellowship is anchored in this idea in the Trinity And of the fellowship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In verse 2, John writes The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father. The word of life being with the Father. John writes here that Jesus was with the Father. The, the Greek is pros ton patera, which describes it like this, face-to-face. Face-to-face fellowship. That's what Jesus had with the Father and with the Spirit. Face-to-face fellowship that existed in the Trinity. And that face-to-face fellowship, which existed in the Trinity... It's also a face-to-face fellowship that we have with the word of life through the word of God. And then John goes on in verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son. When the author says we proclaim concerning the word of life he has in mind something more than a spoken message something more than just hearing words he proclaims the word of life which has been seen and heard and touched embodied in a person embodied in the person of christ the the greek word rendered here fellowship which you have so often heard koinonia is is not easily put into english There's a a a lot of variations and translations of what fellowship actually means. It has been used, or koinonia, it's been called fellowship, it's been called communion, it's been called participation, it's been defined as sharing a common life, it's also been defined as partnership, but we learn in this verse that fellowship first with God is so much more. In the New Testament, it refers to Christians who share a, a common faith and partnership in the gospel. William Hendrickson, in his commentary, says this. Koinonia, with its derivatives, occurs over 60 times in the New Testament in reference to the supernatural life that Christians share. This supernatural life is disclosed in the incarnate Christ. It is the eternal life that comes from the Father and becomes life shared individually and corporately by the company of believers. But you know what? I think you already know this. Because you've, you've been a Christian for more than a day. You've probably heard a lot of teaching about the word fellowship and koinonia. And the question is, does it still have impact when you hear that word? Does it still touch you when you hear that word? Recently, I did a Google search of fad words or phrases from each of the decades beginning in the 60s. So in the 1960s, we had far out cool, and groovy. How many of you use those words today? Yeah, just, just one in the back, maybe two. In the 70s, it was in your face, dream on, and hot dog to talk about somebody who was showing off in sports. In 1980s, it was rad, like, totally, and gnarly. And then in the 90s, it was... Whatever And booyah. <laughs> and in 2000s, the one I hated the most, it was "peeps. You're my peeps." Those words just don't last. They, they don't live on. Which is good. Which is good. <laughs> Today, many of these words and phrases are no longer in use or have they, they, they're yesterday. They have no common meaning. Involvement in our, in our language today. They were so often used after a while that people, I think, became anesthetized to them. And they ceased to have any real meaning or, or application. And I think in the same way, we could become anesthetized in the Christian church to words that we commonly use, like the gospel or fellowship. And I would hate to see that because I believe that this word fellowship in some ways has, has lost some of its impact and power and meaning in our lives. And I think it deserves and needs to have its meaning recaptured. And that's what why fellowship is about this morning. So, as my peeps, I totally want your attention this morning. It would be far out if you like Got my message, however gnarly it is, don't be a hot dog and think, whatever, another message on fellowship. If you do, I might have to get in your face, which would be a bit too rad for me. So let's. <laughs> so, my proposition this morning for you is this To experience genuine fellowship with other Christians, we must experience genuine fellowship with God first. To experience genuine fellowship with other Christians, we must experience genuine fellowship with God. So why fellowship? Why why are we doing this series, uh, the why series? Well, it is to help us remember and be reminded of why we do the things we do for Christ. Why we show up on Sunday morning, which Devin so well taught us last week. And if you have not heard that message, let me please encourage you, appeal to you to listen to that message from last week. So why why fellowship? Because by its presence in our lives, by its presence in our lives, it is proof that we are in true fellowship with God. When we fellowship with one another, it is proof that we are actually first having fellowship with God. And by its absence in our lives, it is proof that we are not having fellowship with God. That's why fellowship. Another why fellowship would be because by its presence in our lives, it is a witness to the world that we are Christ's disciples because of our love for one another. John 13.35, familiar to all of you, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So John is proclaiming Christ as not just the basis of our fellowship, but as the beginning of our fellowship, our relationship, our fellowship with with the Lord. So here in verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you that this man that I walked with 60 years ago, that I spent three years with, this man who who restored me when I left him, this man who forgave me, this man who transformed my life, this man that I, I touched and I heard and I saw that man is indeed, uh, that is who my fellowship is with. We proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. That our fellowship with one another is anchored. It is rooted. It is tied to our fellowship with Christ. So there is no fellowship, brothers and sisters, with one another without us first being anchored to Christ. John is proclaiming that. Fellowship begins with our relationship with God, our face-to-face, our personal, intimate, close connection to our Savior. So, three points this morning. The first one, I'll go through all three. The eternal nature of Christian fellowship, the responsibilities of Christian fellowship, And the blessings of Christian fellowship. The first is the eternal nature of Christian fellowship. Author Kent Hughes says this. John in this passage. John is now testifying and proclaiming that Jesus brings forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Eternal life is not just in terms of length of life, but it is also a Greek term that means quality of life. It is not just that you will live eternally when you die, but right now you have eternal life if you are a Christian. And that's what eternal life is being experienced in our fellowship with one another. It's the quality of life we have as we live together in the body of Christ. David Jackman goes on to say, "The message proclaimed is the person and work of Christ, the incarnate Son of God. He is both the source and substance of eternal life, with which John wants his readers to know they have. That life is now defined in terms of fellowship or relationship with the Father and the Son." John seventeen three. This is eternal life that you may know, may, that that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Believing God's truth brings us into a living union with God, fellowship with the Father and Son. That is the fellowship the apostles knew and enjoyed, but it is something every believer can share with them. There is an eternal perspective, eternal nature of our Christian fellowship, and it's it's the fellowship that is anchored in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Your personal pursuit, your personal growth, in your relationship with Jesus Christ is what determines the depth of your relationship and fellowship with the folks in Grace Church and other Christians outside of Grace Church. In verse 3, John describes what life is all about. That uh, I don't want us to get our, our focus on fellowshipping with one another without first anchoring you in your fellowship with God. Brothers and sisters, that. That's our life. Fellowship with one another in the body of Christ has a shelf life. We we just saw that with Andrew and Stephanie. Yes, they're going to be our friends for life. And I've appealed to Andrew, to build a bed and breakfast in Maine so I can go up and stay there so that we can have ongoing fellowship. (laughs) But fellowship amongst us changes. It never changes with Jesus Christ. And so the pursuit that we have in our fellowship with him, that has to be our most fierce and passionate pursuit It is the most important truth that John can proclaim to us and that we can proclaim to one another. The greatest act of fellowship that we can ever portray amongst ourselves with one another is to encourage each other to pursue their fellowship with God. That's what John is after here. Not a distant relationship, but of face to face. As the Trinity experiences fellowship, so we want to experience that kind of fellowship with the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the author of our fellowship with God, and it is that fellowship which with him that creates and sustains the fellowship that we can and should enjoy with one another. So there's this eternal nature to our fellowship. So when you hear the word fellowship, my my heart and my desire would be that you first think about my fellowship with God, not my fellowship with one another. Now, that is a wonderful byproduct and outworking of our fellowship with God. But when you hear fellowship, brothers and sisters, I I want your hearts and your mind and your eyes to go to that which we have seen and heard and proclaimed I want you to go to the incarnate Christ. Because as we fellowship with God, the incarnate Christ, the Word who became flesh, as we fellowship with Him through His Word, we will experience the incarnate Christ through one another. But that's where I want your hearts and your minds to go. Our fellowship is grounded then in the gospel. That God has done something for us so that we could have fellowship with Him. That Christ made a way for us. And that our treasure in this life is not our relationships with one another. As important as they are, our treasure in this life is Christ. Because He's eternal. Oh, and thank God that we will. If we have come to faith in Christ and if you are here this morning and you have not come to faith in Christ, you have not trusted Jesus for your salvation, for the forgiveness of your sins, for his work on the cross. If you've not done that, then you don't have fellowship with God. And you can if you do trust in him. And with that fellowship, you can have fellowship with one another. And we can look to an eternity where those of us who have come to faith in Christ, who do believe that Jesus is the incarnate Christ, the Son of God who died for our sins on the cross, we will have eternal fellowship with one another. What a gift that is. But apart from our fellowship with God in Christ, we will not have fellowship with One another. And it's interesting because our world, I think, actually does seek after fellowship. You, if you're in England, you go to any pub and you see people just gathered at the end of the workday, the same people gathering together every day. Coffee shops in Korea are just jammed with people gathered around tables till all hours of the night trying to have fellowship. Our culture experiences a fellowship that is worldly, a relationship that is worldly. They can be a part of a a hobby group or a sports team or a group of friends, but they're never going to enjoy genuine and deep fellowship that comes from knowing Christ. They're never going to experience that until they know Christ so that they can then have deep fellowship with one another. When I first visited England many years ago, I noticed that there were many societies in England, many clubs. or They called them societies where people gathered together. One was called the Odd Fellows Society, which was the strangest name I had ever heard for a, I couldn't imagine anybody wanting to be a member of the Odd Fellow Society. And interestingly, on the same street where I saw the, the sign for the Odd Fellows Society, there was a, a, a street sign at the bottom of the church that said, Um, Please do not attempt to stop runaway trucks. I thought, it's, it's only got to be members of the Odd Fellows Society who would try to stop runaway trucks. People attempt to be a part of something. But it's temporary. And it doesn't last. And in our desire for fellowship among other Christians and especially here at Grace Church, we just cannot forget first that it is rooted and anchored in our fellowship with the Lord. And and everything that we experience amongst each other is derived from that relationship, that eternal relationship we have. So that is the eternal nature of fellowship. And then secondly, the responsibilities of Christian fellowship. And and just one verse that you might want to hold in, um, in, in your notes. In, in 2 Corinthians eight five, Paul is commending the Corinthian church, the Macedonian church for giving out of their need to those who were in need. And they were, they were serving those who were in, in poverty. And Paul commends them this way. And I, and I think it's just it really speaks to what I've been sharing. It says they gave themselves first to the Lord. And then to each other. That is the heart of our fellowship. That we give ourselves first to the Lord. And then to each other. Alright, the second point. The responsibilities of Christian fellowship. Our fellowship with, is with Christ. But... Not only with Christ. It is also with each other. And here is, for me, the best definition of fellowship that I have found. Now, And I trust you could probably find the better one, but mine I like. And keep yours to yourself. D. Martin, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones defines fellowship between believers like this. A longing... To share our experience of Christ with others. A longing to share our life in Christ with others. And it's not talking about evangelism here. He's talking about life in the church. Now, evangelism is a part of that. But he's talking about the longing to share The life that I'm experiencing in Christ with you. The life that you are experiencing in Christ. Having a longing to share that with your care group. To share that with folks that you engage with on a Sunday morning. That it's not just a social gathering. But we're longing to share the life we're experiencing in Christ with each other. Brothers and sisters, that is the finest definition of fellowship for the church that I've ever read. John has written that because we are in Christ and we do share an eternal life together, we now share our experience with Christ together. Verse 3 again, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. What do you proclaim? Well, so that you may have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father. He's proclaiming Christ. Christ. He's proclaiming the truth of the gospel to them. And he says, so that we build our lives around this truth so that what? We can have fellowship with one another. Here's the truth of the incarnation. Here's the truth of the gospel. Here's the truth of life in Christ. You have fellowship with God and you get to have fellowship with one another. So that is what john is writing and what he's and what that fellowship looks like practically for us it looks like loving one another john 13:35 again love one another said that the world might know that we are his disciples that we are patient with one another that we delight in one another That we gather together with one another. That we worship together. That we share the Lord's Supper together. That we pray together and for one another. That we pursue knowing Christ together. Why you are here this morning. That we share hospitality with one another. That we serve one another. We care for one another. We bear with one another. We forgive one another. And on and on. That is what John is describing As fellowship, that we labor together for the gospel. That we speak the gospel to one another. And that goes back to Lloyd-Jones, a longing to share our experience of life in Christ with others. Genuine fellowship really does have at its core a deep longing and a fierce commitment to sharing our experience of Christ with each other so that we can help each other grow as disciples. Listen, why does Grace Church exist? Matthew 28 defines it for us. We exist to grow as disciples, we exist to help each other grow as disciples, and we exist to make new disciples. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. That's why we gather each Sunday morning. One of my favorite old, old authors, John Angel James, wrote this. A new and holy brotherhood was set up, of which love to Christ and to each other for Christ's sake was the bond. There was the recognition of a common relationship and the exercise of all that affection which it involved the converts immediately gave themselves to each other as members of one another and not only performed acts of religious worship together, but exercised a reciprocal and most substantial benevolence and afforded the most valuable mutual service. In other words, they loved life together. They cared for one another. They lived with one another. They served one another. They provided for one another. They they had this deep bond and mutual affection. Their fellowship was face-to-face. They had this longing to be together. And one of the responsibilities of fellowship with other Christians, of fellowshipping together, is, is also protecting and caring for one another. And John happens to mention this in verse 6 and 7, go a little further in John, First John. He says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. By his spirit, God expects us to walk in the light with one another. Fellowship... And, and, and that first begins by walking in the light with God. God. God knows when we're walking in the light. And God knows when we're walking in darkness. And fellowship is helping protect each other from darkness. To help pull each other back. Matthew 18. Matthew 18 isn't just a passage about disciplining someone for their sin. It's, it's rescuing someone. It's pulling someone back. It's leaving the 99 and going after the one. And we do, we're all tempted. We we talked about confession of sin this morning. We confessed our sins, aware that even as Christians, we still battle the presence of ongoing sin. We battle the reality that we're still sinners in need of a savior and grateful that he has saved us, but we still have this sanctifying work, this progressive sanctification in our lives. And we need one another. And we can at times walk in darkness. And so for us to be able to maintain our fellowship with him and our fellowship with one another and not lie and not practice untruth, we need one another so that we can walk in the light. Brothers and sisters, we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to Christ's kingdom of light. John tells us that Jesus has come. He's paid for our sins. And so, this is the direction we're to go. And walking in light is foundational to our fellowship. It's foundational to our relationship with one another. And it's how we can most effectively care for each other in this local church. That is the responsibilities of Christian fellowship. And third, the blessings of Christian fellowship. In verse 4, John writes. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. It may seem a bit strange that John comments on this fellowship with God and understandably bringing joy to him, but the fellowship with each other bringing joy to him. But if you look back it could also be written, actually, and some commentators have said that, it, he and we are writing these things so that your joy may be complete. And, and it really is both. It's their joy and our joy that John has written this about the incarnation, about fellowship with God, about fellowship with one another, so that we would experience not happiness, but joy. Listen, happiness is a fleeting emotion, an experience, but joy, Now, joy, that, that has permanence. Why? Because it's rooted in the eternal. In John 15, 11, John earlier is, has written and he is quoting Jesus. He said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The blessings of fellowship first with God and then with each other is true joy. It's the, it's the joy we experience when we come in on Sunday and we see people that we haven't seen all week and we can connect with them and we have this longing to be with them. It's the joy we experience when we go to care groups. It's the joy we experience when we share hospitality. It's the joy we experience when someone shows up at our doorstep and we're suffering and they care for us. It's the joy that we experience When someone just expresses love to us, when we're feeling unloved, it's that kind of joy. That is the blessings that Christian fellowship brings. It brings joy. It brings peace. It brings provision. It brings protection. David Jackman writes, Let us never forget that the realities to which John testified and in which our faith is grounded include the death of our Savior on the cross, which opens up our pathway to joy. To the extent that we are convinced of the total sufficiency and efficacy of that sacrificial death, we shall know a deep joy which no one can drain, a full joy which nothing can quench, And we shall share something of John's heart as we realize that nothing is more enriching or more wonderful than helping others to that same conviction too and seeing their fellowship deepen. Oh, brothers and sisters, my heart for you this morning as your pastor, Devin's heart for you this morning is that you experience the joy of Christ. Through fellowship with him first. And then fellowship with one another. And so when we speak about fellowship, when you hear us communicate fellowship from this pulpit, you talk about it in care group, let your mind make a beeline for your fellowship with Christ, which which will immediately, I think, Trust, bring about a joy in your heart and then let that joy overflow to your fellowship with one another. So how, how do you do this? Well, it's, it's not rocket science. It's first and foremost per- pursuing your personal fellowship with God. Begin there. How is your fellowship with God? Do you feel that you are meeting him face to face Pursue that fellowship. And let me encourage you to play, h- place high expectations on yourself. Set the bar high on how you live for Christ. Don't set the bar low. Set the bar high on what it means to serve and sacrifice and live for Christ and for others. Set the bar high. Don't expect less of yourself, expect more of yourself. And then, just a personal pastoral note, ask God to help you have a longing to share your life in Christ with others. Let that longing be experienced, felt, heard, seen, proclaimed as you gather together as the church of God whether it is in your homes over hospitality, it's in your care groups, or it's here on Sunday morning. Oh, why fellowship? Because it's all about Christ. It's all about him. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that we have fellowship with you this morning. And Lord, if there is anyone here that does not have fellowship with you, I pray that you would open their heart and their minds to desire that fellowship and to be drawn to you. That you would draw them near. And Lord, for those who do know you, I pray that you would strengthen and deepen their intimacy and their face-to-face fellowship with you so that they can grow in their longing to share their life this life that they have in you with one another. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.